on today's show. When I was six, we fled in the middle of the night. My parents like spent all their savings to buy tickets to get on this boat that was going to Cyprus. Really? And my my entire extended family couldn't afford it and stayed behind. And I uh, remember fleeing in the middle of the night. And one of the reasons that this memory is so vivid to me is because um, I think in our rush to get out, I ended up wearing my brother's shirt, t-shirt. Really? Uh, and it, it was a Superman shirt and it had a big giant S on it which was totally fine and all was good except when we got on the boat uh, there's no lights when you're fleeing in the middle of the night Not you're not even allowed to light up a cigarette or like a lighter because wow. enemy forces can like see that and yeah. it's not it's bad news for everybody so um I happened to be wearing a, a, a glow-in-the-dark Superman no shirt. No way. And I, so I had this like beaming S coming out of my shirt. <laughs> oh. And I just remember being very scared as a little girl and hugging my mom to sort of like hide the, hide the, the, the like target on my chest. <laughs> that feeling of like, oh my God, I'm going to be targeted. Five, four, Hey everybody, it's Eric. On today's episode, we're going to have uh, Donna Khalif in this new studio and she is the ultimate creator. I think what's amazing about her story is we'll begin by talking about the her family's flight from Lebanon and sort of being afraid for your life uh, and how that in some ways has started a, a very traditional career for her that she decided wasn't for her. We'll hear the about the moment that she made the career counselor at Harvard Business School uh basically be speechless. And frankly, I was speechless too. We'll talk about the power of buying a one-way ticket and ultimately how um, these sort of capturing these moments of time. Um, Donna is an author who describes her experience as an investment banker in a way that kind of still empowers others, even though she's long since gone from there. Uh, she's had an incredibly interesting entrepreneurial career. We'll talk about how she sort of hatched the original business idea that that eventually got her on Shark Tank and now has has turned into a, a global business surprise ride. How she hatched it basically on a Google document that she was working on a seven-hour time-lapse increments with her sister, Rosie, who's now her co-founder. Um, but I think it's interesting to see the story of Donna as she went from this very traditional investment banking, doing the right thing mindset to basically quitting, going to become an actor and an actress in Hollywood, making her way through Hollywood, uh, but ultimately deciding that for her, entrepreneurship was the path. And you'll hear her stories about how she's become such a great storyteller and, uh, and, and how her adventures have been along the way. It was fun to have Donna in the studio. I really, really enjoyed hearing her story. And I think you will as well. All right. I'm stoked to have you here. Um, everyone, this is, this is Donna Califf and I pronounced that right just because you said it 30 seconds ago. Um, although it's butchering its original yes. pronunciation yes. as it may be. It's originally an air, um, originally from Lebanon. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've kind of just gotten like, yeah, however you pronounce my name is cool, but it does have the word life in it. Ah, that's good. I yeah. hadn't known that before. <laughs> I, um, my name is also notoriously difficult to pronounce. Kester. There's like a weird O and an E and it's yeah. different in German. So I always tell people I answer to anything with a K and er. And nice. whatever else is in the nice. middle, like helps you. I'm all good. <laughs> I love I'm it. All good. Um, so we've we've known each other for a while now, and yeah. uh, I'm really excited to sort of and and it was fun. Like 
as I was sort of sharing some of the stuff I was doing, I was learning a bunch of things about you. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, you're like the perfect example of yeah. some of the things I, I've been finding with students and research. And so uh, it's fun. It'll be fun to sort of chat today. Super fun. And I love what you're working on. Yeah. It's so interesting. It, and I didn't even realize that I was kind of the epitome of the student that would be a good fit for what you're working on. Mm-hmm. It was kind of interesting yeah. for both of us. Your, yeah, your have that moment is, where we're like, wait a minute. Yeah. It's been, it's, it's like the trajectory of most sort of successful people, entrepreneurial people is there's this moment when you create something yes. and that is the thing that teaches you. And, uh, yeah. and, and it's the leap. Yeah. That it leap, really is. That's the, yeah. and that's, that's fun. So cool. Well, I, I wanted to start a little bit cause I think that you were sharing with me when we, when we were together for drinks a few mm. weeks ago, just kind of like the adventure even to get to America. Cause I think yeah. you said yes. there's sort of an, an interesting story of how you even got here and the, the, the many bounces that you had to, to wind up getting here. But why don't you start and tell sort of self Yeah, here. it is. It's been an interesting journey. Um, so I was originally born in Dubai. My parents were working there at the time and then um, we're from Lebanon. And so we moved back to Lebanon and it was during the civil war. And that part of the world, unfortunately, has been in that war zone for a long time now, Mm -hmm. for decades. Um, and, And when I was six, we fled in the middle of the night. My parents like spent all their savings to buy tickets to get on this boat that was going to Cyprus. Really? And my, my entire extended family couldn't afford it and stayed behind. And I, uh, remember fleeing in the middle of the night. And one of the reasons that this memory is so vivid to me is because, um, I think in our rush to get out, I ended up wearing my brother's shirt, t-shirt. Uh, and it, it was a Superman shirt and it had a big giant S on it, which was totally fine and all was good. Except when we got on the boat, uh, there's no lights when you're fleeing in the middle of the night. Not, you're not even allowed to light up a cigarette or like a lighter because wow. enemy forces can like see that and yeah. it's not, it's bad news for everybody. So, um, I happen to be wearing a, a, a glow in the dark Superman no shirt. No way. And I, so I had this like beaming <laughs> S coming out of my shirt. <sighs> and I just remember being very scared as a little girl and hugging my mom to sort of like hide the, hide the, the, the like target on my chest. <sighs> that feeling of like, oh my God, I'm going to be targeted. Um, and, and that's what stuck with me from that night. And we went to Cyprus and then slowly made our way to this part of the world. And actually the reason we ended up in the U.S. So we, we landed in Montreal, Canada. So I grew up there. Mm-hmm. So I speak French. Mm-hmm. Everyone always asks me where my accent is from. It's, <laughs> yes. a, it's a, it's a, it's a bunch of different places. Um, but my mom, uh, years later won the green card lottery. Uh, it's a real thing. Yeah, totally, totally. We didn't believe it. We got them in an envelope and we were like, this must be a scam. My mom won the green card lottery and was able to give it to the rest of the family. And that's wow. how we moved to the United States. And hmm. now I'm a U.S. citizen and proud to be one and uh, so grateful to be here. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, you know, t- to think back to being six years old and in some ways, you know, having all these little things along the way that I'm sure at the time you probably were like, this just must what it's like to grow up, yeah. not realizing sort of this is super weird and super tough and, and, um, it's, it's crazy to think. Yeah. I didn't really have, uh, the realization that that was kind of a unique experience until I was much older. And also even more recently with everything happening right. in the world and, uh, pictures of kids fleeing on boats mm-hmm. now, it's sad to see that history repeats itself. Um, and it, it, it's made me aware that, you know, uh, growing up, like sleeping on the ground floor because there could be bullets like coming through the right. floor window any minute was not normal. Mm-hmm. It's just something that we kind of um, 
we, we, I, I grew up in what we, we as a family called survival mode. Hmm. And it's something I've carried with me in any difficult time or chapter in my life. I like get into survival mode. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can survive. <laughs> right. right. We'll survive this, like figure this thing out. And it's, it's interesting as an adult to reflect on all of that. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you find that you sort of repressed some of those memories? Was it something that like, I mean, I, I'm guessing you're sort of in survival mode all the way for a lot of your younger yeah. life. Like what was the point that sort of you started reflecting on like how crazy that was? That's such an interesting question. I, I do think you, you repress them. Uh, and I think it starts with parents repressing them, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like yeah. as a family, we repress them. The moment when I started really tapping into it, um, so I, I will probably get to this, but I started a company with my sister, mm-hmm. Lindsay. We landed on Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. And some of the questions from the producers were around like, what's your story? Right, right. And we talked about those things and started to kind of explore them. And when we watched the segment um, with my family live, mm-hmm. they later said to me like, oh, <laughs> those things happen. Yeah. Whoa, I haven't had it. And like, there were tears. Huh. There was like this sense of like, I can't believe you talked about those things. Interesting. On TV. There was embarrassment. There was shame. Hmm from siblings and parents. And, and we had this moment where we looked at each other as a family and we're like, those things really happen. Right. I didn't right. make those up. And right. they were just this acceptance. So I think it's, um, I think the whole unit sort of operates under denial mode for a little while mm-hmm. until you're like, okay, now I think I'm safe and right. talk about right. this. Right. Right. And it's the, it, it then in a lot of ways you want it not to define you. And, and as much as it influences you, you want it not to define you. And then it sort of, right. it, it does in a lot of ways define you, right? Yeah. You, you as, as an entrepreneur. And I think there's a lot of research that shows uh, how many um, immigrants and children of immigrants become entrepreneurs. And because of that, there's actually some interesting research that, um, uh, maybe not research, but anecdotes that Andreessen Horowitz, the venture capital mm-hmm. firm, talks about. And uh, several of the partners say they, they look for people that come from dysfunctional families or dysfunctional backgrounds. Yeah. And the reason they found is that uh, if you're able to manage through chaos in the family unit, you're much more likely to be able to manage through chaos in business life and in, in those things. So I think, totally. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. interesting. And uh, yeah, you don't want to label yourself. You don't want to be like the war refugee, right. immigrant, etc. But um, and I think this happens for a lot of people who have faced any significant obstacle in their childhoods. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and you're seeing it now with the Me Too Me Too movement, right. where. Uh, women and men are coming out and saying like this actually happened uh and it's taking a lot of courage to do that and so yeah it's it's an interesting process but i think you can apply any lessons learned in surviving those right. difficult things to entrepreneurship absolutely yep entrepreneurship kicks you it does, it does it does yes yes uh, it, yeah in a lot of ways yeah. it, 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 there may be glamour and glitz that people think but it belies it's like sort of the iceberg beneath the surface is much bigger than the little bit above the surface yes. that looks so so rosy um so so you're you're you know, win the green card lottery. You're in uh, in America, and um, w- one of my students actually is writing a book on the immigrant mindset and talking a little bit about what it's like to be an immigrant and uh, sort of like the way that parents even sort of manage in some ways their children through education and choices they make. Um, did you find yourself sort of feeling like I'm thankful to be here? I'm going to follow the sort of standard path as as you're sort of growing up. Oh, absolutely. I think. Um it's funny because I've, I've recently noticed how many of my close friends are either immigrants or sons and daughters of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something I realized when I was in college, I looked around and I was like, wait, <laughs> surrounded by a bunch of sort of first generations. And 
um, I'm technically zero generation. Yeah. But I really, you know, I was a kid when I came to this part of the world and um, there's tremendous pressure from parents to kind of fit the mold of like doctor, lawyer. Right. right. The, that's the joke. That's right. the running joke. When I went to college, I went in uh, as an engineering major, biomedical engineering. Oh, really? Boston University. I got a scholarship to do engineering. I got a lot of support um, for that. I was just, I love math. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love numbers, and I thought, well, this would be a good place to use it because, again, those were the three choices. Yeah, I yeah, exactly. Brought up with, um, <laughs> and when I made the switch to business and finance, and I also studied international relations because I thought an awareness of what's happening in the world was just clutch to being human. Right, right. But I, but I really knew I was going to go into business. My dad took me aside senior year of college. Right, <laughs> like you're almost done. You're yeah. about to graduate. He took me aside and said. You sure you don't want to switch back to engineering? <laughs> and I looked at him like, it's late. Yeah. Yeah. "No, it's late." Um, but it's—I I didn't really have their support in that way. It was—I had to pave that way. I had mm-hmm. to teach them that you could make a living and a career out of business. They mm-hmm. saw business as like the thing you don't learn, the right? Thing that right. You just don't you want to like run a, a convenience store or like it's yeah. something you can just teach yourself? Hmm. So it's That's interesting. Uh, a while to teach them that like there's a place called wall street right really you have to learn the ways and you know there's a certain advanced thinking that goes into all that but uh, you you shared something with me before is that as much as you were sort of having the traditional business experience you also sort of had a little creative flair you were the uh, sort of you, you you tapped that creative itch um, you know talk about your sort of your your side hobby while you're in in college yeah so i when i was growing up i always loved acting and theater and i did have a unique childhood in the sense that my dad was an artist mm-hmm. So although my parents had the immigrant mindset, I had a very unique immigrant upbringing. Right. Um, my dad was the starving artist. Like there's really no other way to explain it. Yeah. He lived for his passion. It was in his blood. He had to create art. That's how he expressed himself. And I grew up um, with my dad always saying there are those who make money and those who make history. Interesting. It was like the quote he yeah. lived by for uh, a guy who grew up like in poverty in Lebanon and right. you know, came to America could a very smart man could have done things mm-hmm. differently, but um, he really believed in making history. Right. And so that was always in the back of my mind, mm-hmm. I think as a young girl. And so I went to BU, I studied finance. Then I went and I worked on wall street, mm-hmm. very sort of like traditional, um, you know, career path. And then I went to business school yeah. to Harvard and I got my MBA. You had, you had like the, I mean, that's basically like the path, right? Of anyone who's in business. <laughs> it's, like it's Yeah, exactly. You're, you know, like if you're, if you're not going to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, it's not even an immigrant path. It's, it's really, just, it's the, I actually wasn't surrounded path. by immigrants. Right. I was surrounded by people who grew up right. with parents telling them right. they must be going to banking. And and you're at one of the most prestigious, you know, firms on Wall Street. Right? Right. I mean, you sort of have done all of those right things. I did those. I did. Those. <laughs> I did. It's Knowing funny. you is always... It's surreal. It, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's funny because I know you and I, I, I don't think of you as... I mean, I know those yeah. people, right? Like who, yeah. who go that path. It's hard for me to like think back of, yeah. of that because you do have this sort of like creative flair. Yeah. Um, and you said even while you were in, in college, you were doing theater and, and things like that. I was so, taking those electives. I was like the non-theater major right. in the production. Uh, met some fantastic, amazing people that way. But when I went and I worked on Wall Street, I think it allowed me to stand out in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, it allowed me to perform at, a higher level. Yeah. Cause uh, you're being, you're being modest here. I mean, you were like 
great at your job, right? I like really you're good. really good. Really yeah, like I mean, top you, ranked four years in a row. Yeah, it was hard because I started. So I, I not only and that's went, like this is like the premier top of like it was. investment banking is like this is like the cat's meow of the sort of the world of high finance and investment banking is, is for those who don't know. I mean, it's basically like you you eat and you don't sleep and you work like you that's do. that's you kind work of it. Hundred hour a week, right? It's, right. it's the printer. You spend a lot of time at the you printer. Spend a lot of time at the printer. Yes. You spend a lot of time uh, doing all kinds of things. I mean, mm-hmm. it runs the gamut. And I, when I was in, going, so I got uh, a job at J.P. Morgan, uh, which was you know top top firm, continues to be on the street. But then within that, you get to choose your group. Right? Are you going to focus on an industry or a certain product? And not surprisingly, I went for the toughest group yeah. in acquisition. <laughs> right, right. I remember someone saying like, that's the toughest group to yeah. get into. And some part of me was attracted to that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've since learned to listen. To <laughs> yes. Parts of me go, do you really want to do yeah. this? But, you know, I also loved the concept yeah. of mergers and acquisitions. Like, mm-hmm. why do companies merge with companies that seemingly don't relate? And I remember thinking um, about just like Pepsi buying a Frito-Lays and like a chips company and this is a long time ago right. but what are the synergies and wanting to learn about how you value a company you mm-hmm. know how much a pair of hands cost mm-hmm. but like how do you value a company right so it's really interesting uh, but I did end up choosing a path within investment banking that was extremely difficult and I yeah. was just surrounded by men right yeah I was, was going to say you were I probably I don't know men. if I ever worked with a single female at least there's a sort of a, oftentimes there's an entry level class where there's yeah. it's fairly diverse gender wise, mm-hmm. but it, it sort of, yeah, even within my class. So, uh, the year that I joined, there were eight of us that got selected to be in the merge and access group. Mm-hmm. That's how many slots they had. And I was one, the one girl mm-hmm. out of uh, the eight. So I was surrounded mm-hmm. by seven guys who've right. since become really good friends. Yeah. Uh, but there's a competitiveness at the yeah, start, right? It's it really a- interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really interesting. And it was uh, difficult because you didn't really have mentors who were women right. to look up to when turned to. And it just, uh, you had to be that much more, I think, emotionally aware mm-hmm. of, you know, I'd walk into a boardroom. So the beauty of, of M&A work is that you get to work with CEOs right. and boards right. as they make these really big decisions yeah. that can affect. You're in your twenties and you're dealing with like big deal companies. So it's crazy, right? Yeah. You're like, like why, did the, why do they let this person in the room? But yeah. it's, it's, yeah. that's the world that it is like there is just sort of because yeah. You just have to have the highest, smartest people there. They burn them out oftentimes, but they're, you get two opportunities. Two years in, two years out. I yeah. lasted four. So it's yeah. kind of like dog years. But, um, you know, I think being a woman really helped me because I was able to connect with those CEOs and those board members on a level that maybe some of my male counterparts didn't. Mm-hmm. So I think it's always been interesting to be the only woman in the room. And mm-hmm. even in entrepreneurship now, to some extent, I've been in situations where I'm sitting there and I go, if this was a black and white image, mm-hmm. someone just snapped a photo and right, right. you would think it was 1950. Right. And I've been in those situations, even in that realm, yep. which is crazy. Entrepreneurship is supposed to be at the forefront of innovation, but not it continues. So so. That, that continues. That bias continues. Did you think, so there's, there's an interesting thing that I oftentimes, I mean, I, I meet a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs, particularly those that are at these transition points and they, the brightest of the brighter, oftentimes in consulting or banking, you know, like yourself. Um, what's interesting is there's research that's now showing that some of those firms are actually really good. JP Morgan, you know, McKinsey, they're actually really great at creating future founders. Yeah. Um, did you recognize at the time that you were sort of, um, you were exercising the muscles that you now sort of use all the time today? Did it, was it clear to you that there was no, something happening there? It was completely unclear to me. Hmm. 
um, I think you're in survival mode. Right. Going back to that theme. When you start in one of those traditional jobs, whether it's banking or consulting or even just corporate America, yeah, I think you're, right? Law is a great example. Uh, you're young. You're, it's your first job out of school. You're just trying to blend in. <laughs> That's right. Right. Don't notice how what, what, do they, what do they say? The, right? the, uh, the, the grass, the tall grass gets chopped or yes, something like that. Like, yes. don't stand out. Just, you yes, know, it's just like, just like blend in, you know, provide the value that they expect of you and kind of cruise along um, and, and just like absorb all of that right. and learn. And so I had no idea what skills I was gaining. I just knew what had to be done. And I put my head down and mm-hmm. I worked really hard mm-hmm. and I made sure to take breaks. I mean, I lived in New York city one of the right. best cities in the world uh, to, to jumpstart your career. But I think it wasn't until years later that I realized, wow, the amount of responsibility I had as a 21, 22 year old mm-hmm. was very special. Yeah. And that I think in some ways set me up for being an entrepreneur because as you know, as an entrepreneur, you're reaching out to people you don't think will reply. Right. Right. You know, and you're trying to, um, put something out in the world that's never been created. Right. And, right. and uh, you know, it, it kind of mirrors the amount of responsibility. <laughs> yeah. and, I should know, not have this much responsibility. Yeah. Dollar companies. That's at right. Such a young age. Yeah. So you, you, uh, we'll get to this a little bit. You, you eventually wrote a book on your experiences in, okay. as a banker, but I, I, I wanted to kind of pull out a quote that I thought was really interesting and, you know, you probably didn't, at the time you wrote it, you might not have known that you were going to be an entrepreneur, but no, it's funny that you say it. So you wrote, um, banking is the boot camp of jobs. It's extremely challenging, takes a lot of hard work, long hours and exposure. You learn working with top level business leaders and corporations can definitely open the door to multiple careers outside of the bank. Mm. Now, what's interesting about that, right, is if, mm. if you probably could take away the word banking and say entrepreneurship or whatever it yes. may be, yeah. it's fascinating to sort of think that there is a large number of sort of successful entrepreneurs who got their start in high-level finance, you know, investment banking, high-level consulting. Yes. Um, because I think of, of that, right? You basically are thrown to the wolves. And if you make it, there's, you know, you can make it in anything. True. Yeah, you really do. You learn. Uh, it's about learning quickly, mm-hmm. absorbing what's That's happening right. around you, learning from the greats, learning from the people, the leaders around mm-hmm. you, um, thinking quick on your feet, Yep. which is not a skill you learn in school. Mm-hmm. It's really not That's right. That's something right. you have to learn outside of school and you have to put yourself in those situations. Right. Right. They don't really happen on their yep. own. You could be in a, another job where like that's not happening. Um, I don't, I don't remember writing that. That's interesting. Yeah, you that, did. That, yeah, no, I, I, I think mean, it's your words. You're, you know, no, no, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember now that you read it, but, uh, I, I don't, I don't remember, um, making that connection between investment banking and entrepreneurship at the time when yeah. I was in it. Well, I think it's, that's one of the things it's why I think it's sort of, this is an interesting you know episode to have you on. Cause I think there is this sense that people often feel like they're selling out if they take a traditional job and go mm-hmm. into banking or consulting or law or finance, whatever it may be. Yeah. And I think what, part of your story is interesting and we'll get to some of the, the things that you you've gotten to do since, but like, this is, if you don't have a company in mind, man, you learn a ton and get a ton of responsibility from investment banking. So don't, it's not like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm you know, this is terrible for me. I'm, I don't have a startup idea. I should, I, I, why would I take this job on Wall Street? No, Wall Street prepared you to be successful today. It absolutely does. And I have some words of advice for people who do go into those paths. So I, I've always said this. So since I've written the book, I've gone out and spoken to, to various universities about this. And I'm actually a believer in going the traditional path. It's mm-hmm. hard for me to say, um, to advise students to go entrepreneurship straight out of school. What yeah. I say to them is if you 100% know 
this is what you want to do, by all means, follow your heart and right. do that. But if you're at all unsure, um, going the traditional path sets you up right. in a very nice way to have that optionality. However, those are also careers that really have been built over decades, many decades. Mm-hmm. Investment banking is an old yeah. industry. Uh, so is law and consulting and, and, and all of these. And their incentive systems are such that it's very hard to leave them. That's right. So, right. right? So it wasn't easy for me to walk away right. from them. And I, I still get moments today where, um, you know, I still get moments today where I'll have old colleagues say, Hey, you want to come back? Yeah, that's right. And you, and sure you know, with that comes promise of, you know, high paychecks and all these, uh, seemingly great, um, you know, job situations. But so it w- I walked away, I was six months away from uh, another six figure bonus yep. and I had to say no to that and mm-hmm. say, no, I'm going mm-hmm. to go. I, I, I know this is not the career path for me in the long term and mm-hmm. I'm going to make that switch now. Um, How did you, dis- so, you know, the, the next step was business school, right? You went to yes. business school. Did you, yeah. did you, were you looking at business school as a transition moment for you or how did like, so yeah. you weren't thinking of it as like, I'm going to go the long term and be, this is my next level up at the no. bank. It's sort of a new way to transition. Yeah. So I, even when I was applying to business schools, I had many meetings at the firm where they would sit me down and go, are you sure you want to go to business school? Yeah. So I was already in a post MBA role. So there was no reason. Ah, I see. Oh, so it wasn't like, this is like a, this is not a level. I'm four years in, I'm already getting paid. Like I'm, I'm literally training people coming out of Harvard and Wharton and interesting. Are you really? I'm literally, I actually recruited at Harvard. At, that's as funny Morgan. oh gosh and that's partly why i wrote the book because i recruited at harvard business school i see and some of these other schools with my jp morgan hat on at yeah. the time you're like having your second career at 26 yeah, so they would sit me down and go are you sure you want to be going back to business school and um what are you interested in and i remember talking about microfinance mm-hmm. you know really working in social entrepreneurship and um teaching people how to come out of poverty and they'd say to me, well, well, we have a group that does that. Yeah. Yeah. Just put you in there. Right. Right. Now. Right. right, right. <laughs> and, uh, and this was during the subprime mortgage crisis where they were laying people off. So for right. them to sit down with me and try to get me to stay mel- mental. Off. Right. Right. Uh, so it, this is what I mean about anyone who does decide to go in traditional paths needs to sort of like keep their heart in check mm-hmm. because it's quite easily mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. get caught up in it all. So, mm-hmm. um, but I decided to go to business school as what I call the reset button. Interesting. And I yeah. always think of business school as a potentially a reset button for mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a way for you to take two years to re-explore what, what might be your purpose in life, right. what you might right. want to do. That's how I approached it. So I went there with an open heart, not sure where I was going to land, thinking maybe it was going to be microfinance. Mm-hmm. You know, in my business school interview, they said, where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. What would be your dream job? And it, it I thought that's what it was. Right. And I explored that between my first and second year mm-hmm. and I decided it wasn't for me. Yeah. So, uh, but in, and you like, so first off, generally getting into Harvard sort of says you can write whatever ticket you want next. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, there's not grades, right? Like it doesn't, like there aren't yeah. grades. Yeah. I'm surprised so, that maybe people can get caught up in that. Yeah. Right. Like whatever. Like, yeah, but, so one, two, three grades. Right. So you're, you're, you're basically there and you sort of get to decide what's next. And you're looking at this as a reset button. Were you tempted to go back to, to wall street? Oh yeah. I had the same recruiters that I worked with, you know, try to get every, 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 Hey, while, while we're here, why don't we sit down with Zana hey, again? Well, they would take me out to drink. Yeah, exactly. They would take me out to dinner and I loved spending time with them mm-hmm. and their friends and all that. But, um, 
I uh, I caught the entrepreneurial bug a little bit. Mm-hmm. I made it a point during my second year to take a lot of entrepreneurship classes. Mm-hmm. I thought, what an amazing uh, ability to start something from scratch right. and want right. to grow and give people jobs and products that they love. Mm-hmm. And so I applied to Silicon Valley jobs mm-hmm. and I kept kind of finance as like my Your backup. Yeah. Backup. Yeah. Or my number two. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe something there would open up that was so interesting in the microfinance sphere or whatnot. And then um, yeah. and I was the career rep for my section, which means. Oh, like, God. I'm you were the in, whole thing. Yeah. I'm in charge of helping people figure out where they wanted to land. Yeah. You know, uh, that's how important it was for me to really follow my heart. Yeah. I, I was going to be open to all career paths. And so, and then I went to my career office and I said, this is the most, you told me this story. This is, by the way, I just got to set this up. This story, I've, I've actually shared this story with other people after you told, because it's so, it's amazing that the, it's amazing story, but I'll let you tell it. And I just think it's fun. I worked with the career office. Yeah, exactly. These are things I didn't know either. People in every class that was on their team that went out and spread the good word and helped others, um, during the recruiting process and I would do training classes mm-hmm. on how to interview and resume and cover letters and all that. So I knew the career office well, and I went in and I sat down with one of the coaches and I said, I am going to reject these job offers. I had jobs in Silicon Valley and in New York <laughs> finance and, um, and actually in education because education was in an area that I was interested in, uh, that I've always been interested in. And they said to me, okay, and these are, companies that were recruiting right. campus through yeah. Harvard, so they have relationships right. with them. And I said, I'm, uh, I want to go to Hollywood and I want to do that. <laughs> and they, I remember she looked at me. I like, wish you would have taken a picture of her face when you have. said that, because it's like so much love. In those eyes. Oh God. So much love in those eyes. There was like, yeah, excuse me. Yeah. And then there was a moment of, wow <laughs> you know kind of just like letting it soak in and and i and i sat there and i said is there anyone you could connect with that could just like they had been connected yeah to right me, like banking wall street or me. becoming an actor right, right? this is what you guys help. do right yeah that, i mean you know it's, it's harvard and they have um they are connected to a lot of different people and i said that could maybe help me with this transition <laughs> and she looked at me and she said in all my years here at Harvard, no one has ever rejected these job offers to go to Hollywood. <laughs> she said this with like, just like, are you sure you want to be doing this? And I think her heart was breaking into, because uh, I knew these were really good job offers. Right. It's been hard to get. Right. Right. Or easy. Lots of interviews and all that. Um, and I was scared shitless. Right. Yeah. I'm not like, I, I, I'm not confident in this decision making. My dad looks at me. I remember the moment when I said this to my parents at the time, my dad for probably a couple of months would kind of just walk and look at me and shake his head. Like <laughs> Middle Eastern mustache, like lips pouted, like, yeah, you know, that kind of, yeah. um, so it was, it was not easy for me to arrive at this decision, but I knew that if I went and took any of these jobs, I was not, cause I, I'd had the, the, the handcuffs. Right. 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 Yeah. Experience You'd that. come out of that already. Well, basically you'd grow. Yeah. That's right. I, wasn't, I knew it was hard enough and I didn't want to have to do that again. Was there like, a, was there a moment that sort of like, you know, I don't, there's always sort of this glorification of like the moment when you knew you had to do this. Was there something that you remember to say, like, this is the moment when I said, I can't do this. Um, when I said I can't or can't, 
that you can do this. You oh, can, the, can the, do this? yeah. That I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go. The I'm not gonna do what I just did. I'm gonna yeah. do this crazy thing of become an yeah. actress. Um, there was like a silly moment where I called a friend who was in Hollywood, uh, an old friend from uh, from undergrad who I had done shows with. She'd been out there since undergrad, mm-hmm. and I remember getting on the phone with her late one night and saying, "Hey, I'm thinking of moving there." <laughs> and uh, she was just like all optimism hmm. and excitement, and I think it was contagious. Uh, and I, I, I really think actors and artists have this in- amazing ability to be optimistic, hmm. and it's contagious. And I think that kind of got me like, I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. I can do this. Doing it, I can do it. Uh, and and how many how many moments did you sort of sit there and say? Uh, Maybe I've made a mistake. Oh, goodness. Unlimited. <laughs> I mean, I almost, I feel like I almost broke every meaningful relationship in my life during mm-hmm. that time. Hmm. Um, with my parents and my family kind of looking at me like, what are you doing? Right. And then right. eventually they got on board and right. my mom was more supportive. Um, with my partner at the time, my significant other, the other like, wait, are you sure you want to be yeah. honest? I mean, coming out of Harvard. Right, right. Buying yeah. a one-way ticket to Hollywood. Yeah. Where is this going? And so many times uh, all through me moving there like the first three days i remember thinking i'm gonna break this lease right and i'm gonna move back home mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and feeling that scared yeah it's and kind then of, being so absolutely grateful that i did it we were with someone when you first told the story and and they said i've always wanted to say i bought a one-way ticket to blank yeah. you know and yeah. i think it, it was it was i it, did i bought a one-way one, ticket to hollywood i packed i was allowed two suitcases and i packed them up and Showed up to an apartment that I hadn't seen that I found <laughs> on Craigslist awesome. and booked, and it was I called it Camp Hollywood, mm. right below the Hollywood sign. Oh, really? Yeah, it was it was uh, it was like the basement of someone's house, it was right below the Hollywood sign in the hills, and it was Camp Hollywood because I basically lived outside. Right. I mean, like dirt would come in through the windows, leaves, <laughs> spiders. By the end of my my time there, I was like talking to spiders. <laughs> I just called it Camp Hollywood, but uh, life changing experience. Did did uh, and now that it's been some time, did people say like we thought you would make it a week or like did you, what what do people say now that you've sort of come and come out the other side and and have this you know life you have yeah. today? What did they say? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that um, so the fun thing was it was interesting to see, and this is something good for entrepreneurs to know: your family and your loved ones always react as if they're under threat. Mm. You know, they always react as if their safety is at stake here <laughs> in their livelihood, right? And your friends and maybe more distant friends uh, will come from a place of like being really inspired by what mm-hmm. you're doing. So I had that happen. Mm-hmm. And that just goes, that's just it for, in life for everything you do mm-hmm. and any difficult choice you make. So I had a whole group of, of, of friends kind of really live like vicariously right and want sure. you to share their story interesting so i did that i documented it a little bit and i shared it with them um and i stayed away from my family just a little bit mm-hmm. and kind of would share more of the positive right with right them. uh and eventually they were on board that's awesome like, like it always happens, right? Eventually they buy into it. Right, right. And and breaking into Hollywood is not easy for anyone. Um, but but you, what I thought was interesting when you were sharing your story about breaking in is that you approached it sort of less, almost like an 
actor per se, like, but more as like, I am in the business of me and, and uh, like, like, you know, it's like, it's interesting to think about that as like, okay, everyone's like, why are you going to be an actor? And you're like, no, I'm just applying what I learned in my prior life into this, this new world. And, and almost you sort of were able to navigate through it, you know, what may have taken other normal people a decade in like months. I did. Um, Very, um, very much like a a startup. mm Mm-hmm. And coming out of business school where I had been so entrenched in startup mindset, mm-hmm. I just thought of myself as the brand. And in fact, there was a one-year reunion at Harvard and they wanted to hear from entrepreneurs. And I put my name in the hat and I was yeah. like, I'm, I'm, and they're like, right. product. And I was like, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they were so happy to have me present at, at that um, event. But uh, I, I really approached it that way. I gave myself a timeline, quarterly check-ins. Mm-hmm. And how do you explore? It's like product market, right? Right. Yeah. Market fit. And so I approached it and I took classes and I applied and auditioned to things and product market fit was going to be whether I got some of those auditions. Right. Right. So I really kind of was interesting. And I had a budget, financial budget. Yep. Survive the year. Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of easy Mac and ramen, but you, you, uh, were there moments when you thought, you know, looking at it now that, one thing breaks a different way that, that we could be talking to, to Donna, the actress. Was there sort of like, yeah. cause it's, you know, you're attacking this as, you know, you're getting yourself in there in a different way. Again, someone probably might've looked at this as a 10 year thing. You said like, I got a year, I got to figure that in. What was some of the, the interesting uh, moments that were maybe one, one, one uh, eyelash away? Wow. I think that if I'd stayed longer, you might be talking to Donna, the actor. Right. I think there is, I think it is possible to apply the principles of business and entrepreneurship to an artistic Mm -hmm. career path and um, get there faster Mm -hmm. and get there better. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do believe that. I think that if I'd stayed in it, I could have. I decided that it wasn't for me, um, for a number of reasons, it wasn't the type of career that I wanted to pursue in terms of the unpredictability. Right, right. And like coming from such an (laughs) childhood, I don't think I understood it, right? Yeah. But others can, and I love that they can. Um, but the moments that I think it was like my quarterly check-ins were very meaningful. Mm-hmm. Where I would check in and go, "Hey, what have I learned? What do I still want to do? And also, how do I? How do? What do I want to do that's fun, mm-hmm. so that I can look back at this and go, wow, I had a blast.' Right, right. So I remember the moment where um, I joined a sketch comedy troupe. Huh. We perform on Hollywood Boulevard at a theater. That's cool. And uh, it was it was awesome. And I had to write sketch comedy and then format and really be part of a troupe mm-hmm. like Saturday Night Live right yeah then some of these people do go on to be on Saturday Night mm-hmm. Live. Um, but that was something that I felt was missing from my experience and mm-hmm. so having those quarterly check-ins where you kind of okay where am I And three months flies by it's like a blink of right time. right and that's one thing I learned yeah three months is short time yeah uh, and uh, but I ha- I'd have those realizations like I want to so one of the things I was interested in was hosting mm-hmm and so I said, okay, I want to take a class and explore what it would be like to do that. Mm-hmm. I did improv and mm-hmm. I did comedy and I did, you know, more dramatic acting where I would come out of there with tears and just feel depleted because hmm. you just played the role of a, a young girl who had been abused. Hmm. And it was just like, you really lived that experience. And so it was, it, I think those check-ins were important to make sure I was having the most varied experience. Right, right. And they were probably good in life in general. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. And I think the other thing that was you, you shared is you sort of had to figure out kind of how to make money in various points. And, and, you know, as you said, at one point, kind of the opportunity that we talked about earlier, your book came about as 
you know, it, you didn't in, as much pursue it as like a sort of a, a hey, I want to write a book, but like, hey, this is a way to maybe make some coin. Yes. Um, so how, how did that all come yeah. about? And um, yeah, that's interesting. So, so I, I absolutely, I needed to figure out a way to make a living mm-hmm. and cover my, my basement camp Hollywood, <laughs> uh, which was super cool, by the way. Yeah, not quite. They didn't have a sink, so that's good. <laughs> but 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 I uh, I got I, I got an email from. Um, a, a new publisher, so a startup mm-hmm. really, that was doing books um, that would respond to people's searches. Right. And they would see in Google what were some searches that were maybe had an unmet need, and they would reach out to people that could be experts. And mm-hmm. a friend of a friend somehow connected me to this publisher, and um, they never thought of writing a book. Right. It, it was really not in my plan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is maybe a way that I, I was going to get to make some loyalty. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and also solidify this chapter in my life right. that was slowly changing and right. evolving. And right. I had given this verbal advice so many times. Mm-hmm. People would call me all the time. Can I get some recruiting advice? And mm-hmm. I thought, wouldn't it be nice to spend that hour talking about them in their situation and just have them read the book? Right. Right. So that we could really use that time in a more value added way. Mm-hmm. So it, that's really where I was like, sure, let's, let's do the book. And, and you, you, uh, I also love that the, 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 the Donna hustler was like, they're like, originally they wanted you to just write on JP Morgan. You're like, I'll only do it if you let me the whole enchilada. <laughs> so and then they called me and they were like, um, so, you know, we really, one of the searches on Google that goes unmet is how do I get a job at JP Morgan? Mm-hmm. You'd be perfect for that. Yeah. You recruited there. We want you to write that book. And I remember hanging up and thinking about it and I didn't, it wasn't one of those questions where I didn't really need anyone else's advice. Yeah. I'm not going to write the book that's right. just about JP Morgan because I knew that the industry was bigger than yeah. that. Yeah, sure. The advice would be applicable to anyone. And so I said to them, got back on the phone, and I was like, I'll only do it if it's about banking, but you could certainly run some ads on, <laughs> like, how, you know, you could really ma- make sure the book answers those people too. Mm-hmm. That's fine, but there's no reason to yeah. admit it. It's interesting. And I think, you know, you, you said something that sort of struck me, which was sort of to, to document that phase in your life, which was, you know, hundred hour weeks, hustling your way through it and, and that high level stuff. And it was, the book was a lot of ways for you to document that one and, and almost like cement your expertise as a, like, let me show you what I know, as opposed to like, you be defined by three years or four years of, of time somewhere. Yeah. Um, how have you seen, because since then, you know, the book is, you know, several years old now, how do people see you? Like some people, you know, you're an entrepreneur now, but people still reach out people to you and say, Hey, every week and say, I read the book. And, um, I'd love to talk to you <laughs> and it's fascinating. Um, because yeah, I do have this other life now as an entrepreneur and I'm in a completely different. Industry. Yeah. Um, I think what's interesting is a lot of these traditional careers, uh, the advice is timeless. Right. And I knew that when I was writing the book that although you could update some of it and, and we did, we did a version 2.0 and totally do for a version like 5.0. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, but the types of qualities that they look for in a candidate haven't changed Mm -hmm. the interview questions the three financial statements and like the things that solidify finance and accounting haven't changed and it goes the same for law Mm -hmm. consulting and all these fields um so it's it's interesting but i i knew that my memory was going right right yeah you don't have the experiences like it's not recent anymore the stories start to fade exactly and i think there are moments in life when all of us become experts at things right uh, even if it's a hobby, mm-hmm. you know, you're suddenly in love with 
or maybe you become vegan and you're suddenly obsessed with what that transition feels like. Mm -hmm. And then 10 years later, you've been vegan right, for a long right. time and you can't really speak to that. Right. But what would it be like to really document that? Yeah. And, and have that advice serve people for a long time. Well, you've said, sort of, you even defined that was sort of what your approach was with the living vicariously through you in LA. So it's sort of, the, it's the, it kind of sounds like it's part of your, you view these as chapters and you're going to write the chapter as it's sort of happening to make sure that you document that. And maybe it's to a little bit of your, your upbringing a little bit, sort of not losing sight of some of those intense, important memories uh, that I think f is forcing you to sort of document those experiences. As yeah. You go. I think it's interesting too. We live in a, in a time in the world where you can document. Right. Right. It, you know, what, what did that entail? That entailed me sitting in coffee shops, typing mm -hmm. away on the laptop mm -hmm. Um, you know, in another time that may have been more difficult. Right, right. And my hand and typewriting. Yeah. I, I don't even know yeah. what editing would have looked like, you know, evolving what writing a book would have looked like. Right. Really, now we live in a time where you can grab your iPhone, <laughs> yeah, you, film yourself yeah. talking about becoming vegan and what that process is like and document it. Mm -hmm. Why not? Yeah, it's kind of amazing to think that the, in some ways, I would say because of the ease of doing it, and uh, I think that some t that makes it even more scary. You don't have the excuse that yeah. before it was like, oh gosh, this was so hard to do. Like I can't do it. But uh, but you're right. Like all of these things are right at our fingertips. Right. And we and we're almost living in a world now where there's so much of it mm -hmm. that you think, oh, I don't have anything to add mm -hmm. to the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and I recently and, I, and I've put myself through this filter several times where I go, but what's my unique angle? Right. Right. And I recently had this epiphany. Um, I was following. I follow several bloggers, and I was following a blogger, and I looked at her story and I realized there's nothing, there's nothing, this would not have passed my test. Yeah. I would have said, Oh, well, I'm not adding anything unique to the conversation, but every human being is unique. Right. The right. way you share your story, mm -hmm. your specifics of your story, mm -hmm. your upbringing, all these things are unique. And so I really think every single human being could add something. Yeah. To the conversation. It's, it's good to remember that. It is. It's really important to know that it's not as if, you don't have to convince everyone that you're an expert exactly. or have credibility. It's just that a small community is, is looking for you. Someone and, will listen and it will resonate. With them. Right, right. Whether they have the same exact shared experiences or just something about your voice, mm -hmm. who you are, mm -hmm. it's clicking. Mm -hmm. And we often forget that that happens. So yeah. everybody's unique. That's right. Everybody's that's right. Unique. Everyone can create something. I, yeah. I, you and I have a shared experience of sort of both working in, I, I was in a law firm, you were in investment banking. Yeah. And I think... The other thing that I see a lot of is that people don't always share this transition that they go through. And, you know, not everyone, I loved being in law and, and you know, loved being, loved being in banking. Yeah. And so it's not as if like, I was like, oh gosh, I hate this. I got to go into entrepreneurship. I was like loving what I was doing. I just, this was the better thing for me. It's yes. not, one wasn't bad, one wasn't good. Um, so I get a lot of questions the same way of like people, how do I become an entrepreneur? And my usual piece of advice is be really great at your job, love it, and then find something that will, will get you there. Yeah. And I remember having a moment in banking where I thought if I put in this many hours and this much love in something that's my own, mm -hmm. wouldn't that be cool? Right, right. Here I was, you know, getting some fraction right. of what the firm was right. making and not really being able to control any of it. And so yeah. I thought, anybody can, anybody can add value. They really hone in on what they're good at.